Hey there, everyone. It's Wednesday, another episode of Life After Tech Bootcamp, and I'm always so excited to bring you a new alum each week to hear about where they started, how they used Springboard to get to where they're going, and what they're up to now. So today, without further ado, I'd like to introduce Natalia. Natalia studied UX UI design at Springboard and is now a UX copywriter at Amazon Music. Before becoming a copywriter, she was a policy escalation specialist at TikTok. Hi, Natalia. How are you today? Hi, I'm doing pretty good. It's been a great day, so nothing to complain about. I love that. I love that. And you're in California where it's warm and I'm in Brooklyn where it snowed today. So I'm, I'm sure that contributed to it. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So I'm dying to talk to you because, of course, I want to get to your story, but I had a really interesting question asked of me. Um, someone who just finished their boot camp, they asked me, you know, how can I make my portfolio look less junior? And that's the first time I've been asked that, not as a junior UX designer. So it really got me thinking. I gave them my answer, but I was curious to know how other people would answer that. So I'd love to hear what you would tell this person if you were asked. Definitely. So I think the biggest thing that I feel like helps in that situation is to try to not follow the template that they give you kind of to a T just because everyone for the most part will be doing that from not, I mean, not only springboard, but like all the different boot camps and just in general, um, just trying to find a way to make your page unique. So also like not using all the same templates other people are using and really just finding ways to make your portfolio stand out and really highlight what you're good at and really finding a specific niche in the field is something that I feel like really helped. For example, like what I tried to really focus on is accessibility. That's something that I was really passionate about. So I really made sure to highlight that in my portfolio um, and really make that seen. And I also found that even just incorporating like other fun aspects into my portfolio, like I have like a photography to photography page on there and like a little blog page that I have a couple articles written and just finding ways to make your portfolio different so it's not the same as others I feel like is something that's really helpful oh interesting so I've definitely heard uh so I don't have a photography hobby or anything um and I'm not really a blogger so did you get really interesting responses from that like do people you know comment on it during interviews things like that yeah I have had not necessarily not necessarily on the photography or blog aspect but I do have like a generative AI tab on my portfolio. And with that, I played around a lot with like mid journey, which is basically the system that it's kind of like chat GBT, but it generates AI images instead of like text. And so I played a lot around a lot with that and like did kind of the similar thing with my photography on um, my portfolio, but more so the images were generated from mid journey. So a lot of things that I incorporated there is just more so like learning like what prompts to use to make sure you're getting the images that you want um and a lot of like AI training in that aspect as well because that's something that I was also interested um in AI in general and just trying to keep up with with things as AI is introduced into the field of UX and so 
I've had have had recruiters um, and some folks message um, mentioned that to me in interviews about the generative AI because it's really coming into play in in the workplace nowadays. Yeah, I that's I'm so glad you shared that because I think that's such a beautiful way to show your interest that you're learning new tools, how you're applying it, but also just in a fun hobbyist way as well. Yeah, definitely. It was really fun to do. Like I generated really random images of like a bunny in space or um even just like an acai bowl or like a dog running on the beach with a ball and just really playing around with verbiage and what words to use for the specific prompt um, to get the image that you want. Very cool. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, AI and all of that could be a whole other podcast, but (laughs) I think it's frustrating when I see like how AI is going to destroy the world and it only really works when you put the correct like you say words or prompts into it, Um, you know, I'm sure you can speak like as a copywriter, yes, um, certain AI can like put together a whole story about a girl from Brooklyn not wanting to go out in the snow, but that doesn't mean it's going to function in like a business setting or something like that. So I, I love that. That's very cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's something that I'm really interested in too. And just being a UX writer, there's a lot of roles nowadays too that kind of blend itself like into conversational design as well, which is like a very thin line. And so a lot of roles are kind of doing both and even just like designing chatbots and things like that. Um, Super interesting, interesting stuff there. Certainly. Well, I will definitely dive into that a bit more later when we talk about where you are now, but I'd love to talk about where you started before all of this. Um, I have no idea what a policy escalation specialist at TikTok is, but what were you doing before you got into UX? Yeah, definitely. So before I got into UX, um, I was working in escalations specialist. So really that's like trust and safety for tech companies. So I did that at Tinder and then also TikTok. And so what I did at Tinder was more so like taking in a lot of the issues from an email aspect. So a lot of times members would write in about like trust and safety reports. So for example, if they're on a date and like, I don't know, somebody stole something from them or whatever, something happened, we would kind of respond to those emails and escalate them to legal and um, member experience as well. And just really trying to resolve any of those issues um, in that aspect. And then at TikTok, it was more so kind of from a policy aspect. And so oftentimes we were like a team of three or four folks. And whenever there was like a specific um, like worldwide event, like let's say even if it's like elections, um, we would look online for a lot of misinformation, making sure we're flagging any videos um, and or even like school shootings or, or things like that. We would kind of be all hands on deck and mitigating, making sure that content isn't on the platform that shouldn't be on the platform um, and really just, yeah, mitigating content from that aspect um, and making sure that they're aligning with our our policies. Wow. That sounds like you've probably seen some stuff. Definitely. I know it was definitely, it definitely took a toll on my mental health, which is what kind of sparked me to to look into different careers and different fields just because 
that isn't necessarily what I wanted to do for the rest of my life and the longevity of my of my career. Certainly. I think that goes without being saying or being said. I cannot speak today. Um, yeah. So let me hear about discovering springboard. I know in your intake survey, you were saying that UX, UI wasn't really something that you found the biggest interest in, but that UX writing really did. So would you be able to share a little bit about that journey? Yeah, definitely. So when I was at Tinder, I had the opportunity to do like a Nielsen Norman group, just kind of like intro uh, course to UX as a whole and really learning about like different facets like US UX research and UX design and the psychology behind UX. And that really intrigued me into the field of UX in general. It kind of lit a light like in my spirit. And I was like, yes, like user experience, this is something that I'm really interested in doing. And even being a policy escalation specialist, I was more so working on like the member experience side and making sure we're keeping the platform safe. But I really wanted to take it a step further. And like, I've always had a creative mind, but also really loved using the logical side of my brain as well. And I feel like UX does a really great job of doing both. And so I started looking into um, boot camps and things to actually get me going to start building out a portfolio because I know there are ways to just kind of build a portfolio on your own, but I'm the type of person that needs help and needs guidance kind of along the way to really get started and keep me on track um, to get things done kind of like by a certain date. And so I found Springboard, uh, really loved the program. I liked that aspect that they incorporated um, like a specific placement uh, in the program as well. So that's something that really drew me to Springboard specifically to know that I'd be able to have like some kind of real world project in my portfolio um, was something that I feel like really helped and really loved that. So I signed up for Springboard and signed up for the UX, UI UX uh, design program. And in that, as I started going through the program and working on my first uh, capstone projects uh, where you build out your own app, um, I really found myself gravitating more so towards the actual copywriting and UX writing aspect of the project. And I found that a lot of my findings from my project, like in the research side of things, when I started talking to folks who were testing my application and seeing the issues that were arising, a lot of them actually had to do with the copywriting aspect of things. And so finding the impact on how you can communicate things and how that can have either a positive or negative outcome in a user experience is something that I really gravitated towards. And so once I graduated, I started to look into UX writing uh, opportunities and content design opportunities and found myself where I am today. Certainly. And referencing that placement, which Springboard calls the IDP, Industry Design Project, did you specify that you wanted to do something more UX writing heavy or were you just placed in a general project? So... With that, I actually took the route of um, doing my own placement. Like I found my own um, company to 
to do some work for um, in the placement. And in that, I did do specific uh, copywriting work uh, in the placement that I had found. Oh, that's awesome. How did you go about finding your own placement? Was it just a connection, networking? So it was this one Slack group that I was in that they're really focused on having folks get experiences with like really um, small either nonprofits or like startups that have maybe like two or three employees at the time. And so I'd found an opening through there and yeah, just uh, um, started doing that and worked with like a team of um, like UX designers that were also kind of in the the same slot group that I was in um, and really helped build out the project for it was about three months. That's really cool. And I love that you were able to kind of extend it a bit because the IDP is only a month. So there's only so much you can accomplish really in that time frame. Yeah, it was really nice to be able to kind of have a little bit more of a cohesive um, project to show in my portfolio as well in addition. But I did find that even the first uh, capstone in which you really build out your full application, that is something that a lot of folks found in interviews to be really astounding. And that really wowed a lot of folks um, in terms of because you're really doing everything with that. You're doing the research, the design, the copywriting, um, everything, the branding. Um, so that's something that folks are really impressed by in general. Um, the fact that you have the ability to create something from scratch and, and see it through and have the findings and everything. Yeah, absolutely. That first capstones, you're kind of like a little startup in your own world. Yeah. So yeah, you really do do everything. So it sounds like you were part of Slack groups during the course. What else did you do outside that perhaps, you know, got you to where you are now? Definitely. I really was big on networking and LinkedIn is like my best friend. Um, So I really was just focused on adding a lot of folks in the field that I wanted to be in. And as well, I was able to get a job earlier before I fully graduated from the course. And I think what really helped with that was, again, just networking and um, I had started to message some recruiters in the space as well from uh, contract agencies. And while I was at Springboard, uh, one of the recruiters that I had networked with had reached back out to me and said that she had a role that would kind of fit um, what I was looking for perfectly. And things just kind of worked out from there. But I would definitely say networking and LinkedIn was kind of my my biggest helper in that aspect and doing a lot of coffee chats and um, virtual chats to really just kind of pick people's minds and also just put your name out there as well. Certainly. Yeah, I agree. Getting your face in front of people, showing your talents, that can go a long way. You never know what could happen in the future. Yeah. So what, did you get any advice during these coffee chats, these networking sessions that resonated with you? Definitely. I think um, the biggest thing was kind of the portfolio aspect. And so really just making sure that you're flushing out your portfolio in a way that's not only showing like, here's what I did, but including a lot of those like analytical, like, what did you learn? What did you take away from this? Were there any specific challenges that you can note 
um, in the project that happened, I feel like really highlighting those um, was some pretty good advice because like some folks had said to me, like, at the end of the day, like, no project will ever be perfect and showing and be able to not only showing, but being able to talk through, especially in interviews, how you overcame those challenges and what those challenges were um, are really, really huge, especially in UX. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you're going to get told no a lot. Um, there's technical limitations. There's budget limitations. I know that's hard to mimic in a boot camp course, but it's true. Like, how do you work? I feel like life, people who succeed in life just kind of know how to handle problems. And yeah. that definitely parlays into case studies. So with that, um, our you're networking like crazy and you found this job before graduating would you be able to tell us that story yeah definitely so the recruiter reached out to me it was a pretty junior role um for a contract for cbs for a year and it was focused on accessibility like cbs is really huge on accessibility and the recruiter had reached out to me said i was thinking about you because we had had a conversation about when I was networking with her about accessibility as UX writer and just UX in general. And she was really curious as a recruiter to kind of learn more about it. And so she thought about me um, when she found the job that really highlighted being passionate about accessibility. And what I did there was I worked on their design systems team and really as I was the only UX writer on the team. And so I wrote and published a lot of documentation for like 50 plus components and patterns um, for web, iOS, and Android, and really helped establish those guidelines for CVS's design system. Um, so yeah, and I went through the interview process. It was pretty quick, um, kind of ever since then too, with other roles I've been in. I've been through contracts with recruitment agencies and a lot of the times for at least the ones that I've been in, the interview process has been pretty quick. And with UX writing specifically, instead of kind of like a whiteboarding session, what they usually ask for is a portfolio walkthrough or like a presentation to kind of show your work. And so I had worked on doing that and I was really kind of stressed and put a lot of pressure on myself um, before the interview process for CBS, but surprisingly, I did not need to do that for that specific role. And so it was just a lot of talking with the manager and then talking with the team. And then, yeah, I had I gotten the role. Okay. That almost sounds a little, I don't want to say easy, because I know you worked very hard <laughs> to get to where you are and to get that job. But yeah, it almost sounds like that was very simple. And kind of nice, even though it sounded really stressful and you were preparing for everything. Yeah, no, I got really lucky in that sense. And I feel like I, could, I really just owe it to the networking and, and really having that meaningful conversation with the recruiter about just like content design and UX writing and accessibility. And that, that's really at the end of the day what, what stuck out to her, which made her reach out to me again. And then it all just kind of went smoothly um, from that point. Yeah, certainly. And I never really considered 
UX writing for a design system and all that documentation. So it sounds like a lot of this work was internal, but then also understanding how all of these components fit within, I'm guessing maybe the CVS app or was this what part of, yeah, I, I'm so curious to know. Yeah, definitely. A lot of companies actually don't have a UX writer on their design system team. And I'm starting to see that they're hiring more for their design system team as folks are even building out a design system because a lot of companies don't have one. Um, but yeah, it was so, I worked really cross-functionally with the engineers, the UX designers, and then CVS specifically has accessibility designers as well. And so worked in tandem, they had specific like designers for iOS, Android, and then web. And so I worked with all of them cohesively and just made sure we worked in agile. So every two weeks we would kind of focus on different components and sometimes web would be focusing on a specific component like buttons and then iOS and Android were working on something else. And so really just going in and doing a lot of research beforehand. And so a lot of times we would just kind of break off and do our own research about this is what we think we should include. This is the direction we think we should take and then come back and then agree on a way that we're going to approach this. Sometimes we'll take it to the inclusive design research team to do some research before doing any documentation or designing. And then sometimes we'll kind of tackle the documentation and design first and yeah, then just kind of go from there. I've really just focused on owning the UX writing content design portion of the documentation and then also just making sure that the designs that we're putting out there is aligning with what recommendations I'm making as well. And within all of that research and stuff, was there anything that really surprised you about how people reacted to certain content? Yeah, definitely. I think at CVS specifically, a lot of the conversations are kind of like headbutting at times would be between the accessibility aspect of things. And so, for example, in we were doing working on carousels for a component and accessibility was arguing like from from the start, kind of it's not an accessible component or pattern to to really use on web to begin with and so kind of approaching and taking those larger conversations in which this is something that teams are asking for marketing may be asking for but finding a way to like write things and establish things and even take things from a larger team as a design system and make kind of tough decisions and like say like this is not what we recommend this is what we recommend I guess even for larger voice and tone for documentation was kind of a big thing. So prior to me joining, there's already some existing documentation from a previous UX writer, but leadership found the tone to be very like, don't do this, don't do this, and kind of more so like a dictatorship kind of voice and tone that's very like focused on the negative as opposed to showing more do this and having a more positive collaborative spin to it like we should as opposed to like you should not voice and tone that was something that was really big that leadership had wanted me to also focus on kind of as a larger project of really revamping a lot of the language as a whole and from 
um, a documentation standpoint for just internal um, documentation to match kind of our voice and tone that we push out to our customers. Certainly, certainly. And I'm biased. I'm a huge fan of CVS. Like I, <laughs> I use their app all the time. Obviously, I have lots of feedback, but I know you're not there anymore. So, <laughs> yeah. what, um, so after CVS, what was next for you? Yeah, so after CVS, well, actually in tandem, while I was at CVS, I was also doing a part-time contract for Cisco, and it was pretty much doing similar things, working with their design system, but working more siloed, and so just working with the product designer on the team to revamp a lot of their existing documentation and then just incorporating UX writing guidelines as well. Um, So that was something that I was kind of doing in tandem at the same time. But after CBS, at CBS, I'd actually gotten laid off. Um, they had like laid off like 5,000 people at the time and let most of their contractors go. So after that, I was kind of frantically looking for jobs, but I also had already looked prior to even the specific layoff. So I got pretty lucky because probably like a couple days after I'd gotten laid off, I had gotten um, a call back for an offer for a freelance project for Mindtickle, which is a SaaS company. And I was just doing some freelance work for them. And their project was really interesting because they had created this tool within GitLab to flag old copy that doesn't really match their style guide. And so my main job that it was there was really just looking at kind of siloed strings of copy that were flagged by the GitLab tool and making sure that it aligned with their style guide and UX best practices. So that was really interesting. Yeah, that's that is really interesting. Um, so was that like a, a ongoing contract or was that just kind of something in between? Yeah, so that was like a three-month contract, so really was project-based. So as soon as I tried to really just get as much as I could done, they had tons of strings. <laughs> I, I've copied, uh, worked on like over 30,000 strings of, of copy to to really work and refine it. And then uh, during that time, I was looking for jobs, and then I kind of landed to where I am now. Um, and... Amazon Music. I'm working as a UX copywriter. And with that role, um, I had known somebody on the Amazon Music team that I'm working on now. And she had told me that the contractor that was working there was leaving in the role that I'm in now. And so um, I had sent her my resume and wrote up a blurb and then she sent it to her manager and then the recruitment agency reached out to me to kind of start the interview process and did a couple of interviews there and then landed to where I am today. That's fantastic. And Amazon, like I hear the interview process can be quite rigorous. Was it the same for a contracting interview or I'd love to hear about that? Yeah, no. So it was pretty uh, relaxed and not as rigorous. And so I think from my experience so far with contracts, I think it just is kind of the name of the game with contracts for the most part. A lot of the, the interviews that I've done with contracts have kind of been 
really just two interviews kind of pass the I mean we talk with a recruiter from the agency and then um a, like a call with the manager and then a call with somebody else be that somebody on the team or multiple people on the team but yeah it was just um kind of a two-step process so I spoke with the manager and then I spoke with um somebody else on the team as well that's and it's interesting to see how you've had like a bit of experience with different companies since graduating has anything in particular been kind of a constant like anything you've learned through springboard or through the advice of networking um you know what do you think has really helped you succeed in all of these roles definitely I would say definitely springboard has helped tremendously because without it I wouldn't have as much UX knowledge and I feel like even just knowing how to really be proficient in Figma and have that UX design background really has helped because a lot of folks really value that especially given that Figma is kind of a newer software um even when I started at CVS they were just transitioning from Sketch to Figma and so a lot of folks didn't know how to use Figma and really having a lot of that knowledge really helps um and just even that UX larger UX design knowledge about what are UX design best practices and really just having a lot of those deeper understandings of things really helps as a UX writer and I feel like that really helps me stand out a little bit um in my role because I kind of been multifaceted in that aspect and a lot of the things do coincide being a content designer and working really closely with with designers as well certainly and I would imagine it helps you ask better questions because you know the process a bit more thoroughly most definitely certainly and I would say like what's been the most exciting part about all these different contracts I would say just being able to work within different teams and different processes I guess specifically for my experience going from kind of starting out in a larger role kind of be that more analytical and more kind of deeper thinking in terms of how are you going to establish these guidelines for the organization and all the other content designers and UX writers to follow and word counts and things like that to really going and working on specific copy for the products um, like at Amazon Music and in different aspects there. And I guess specifically with Amazon Music, one of the things that I find really exciting too with, with AI and being that I'm really interested in conversational design and um, working with Alexa and so finding ways to, you know, write an Alexa notification and working in that aspect of finding things creatively that you can do with Alexa. That's a little bit different um, there that I find really exciting. Yeah, that is really cool. And I guess, you know, Amazon is more on the forefront of AI. I know some companies are cautious about letting certain tools into their business. Um, what's, what is the, I guess, AI opportunity like at Amazon? Are you allowed to use third-party tools or do they give them to you? to help with your job? That is a conversation that is still kind of ongoing. And so at the moment, I believe, I mean, we usually just don't use it um, for our work specifically, but at least our team, 
we kind of play with AI more so on the side just to kind of keep up with it and make sure that we're still, you know, learning how to use the tool and making sure we're proficient in it and really just kind of staying up with the times. Um, I know Amazon is just doing a lot of research in terms of AI in general, just given the nature of the company and just Amazon Music as a whole. I mean, I know Spotify um, has done some cool things with like AI features in the app, like they had DJ mode. Um, And so Amazon Music is kind of really just trying to stay at the forefront and really just do a lot of research kind of internally about like, how can we improve our app? Is there anything we can incorporate with AI? And then even just having integrations with Alexa and a lot of folks that use Amazon Music mainly just use it from their Alexa. And so finding ways to really just kind of keep up and make Amazon Music stand out as um, a music app. So I'm curious, if someone's interested in getting into specific UX writing, what kind of advice would you give? Like, How would they set up their portfolio and target these types of roles? I mean, just in general, my advice is really number one, networking and making sure that you're having conversations with UX writers from different organizations and just having those uh, connections is really one of the biggest things that I have to, to thank for so far in, in my journey and really making sure that in the portfolio, you're including things that are indicative of what you're trying to preach as a UX writer. And so I feel like that's one of the biggest things I kind of hear a lot from in as a UX writer in portfolios is just making sure like, you know, as UX writers, we want things to be clear and concise, making sure you're focusing on information hierarchies. So what do you want them to see? What's most important? Place that on the front of the webpage and just, yeah, just really making sure you're incorporating a lot of what you look for in other when you're working for a company and their application and their CTAs and everything and making sure you're incorporating that into your portfolio is is a really big thing. Yeah, I agree. I often hear that people who want to get to UX design or, you know, writing, they'll express that, but then their portfolio forgets all the principles that they've just learned. And I know it's very hard to translate that into their own portfolio, but it is important to consider yeah, definitely. So with that being said, you've come this far, you've worked at some really cool companies. What do you see as next for you? That is a good question. I'm really just looking, I mean, ideally, I would love a full-time role just because being a contractor is pretty stressful, even though the market right now is like not completely stable anywhere, but just even having you know, a little bit of a better benefits package and having PTO is kind of a huge thing because agencies often don't really do PTO. And so really having a full-time job is kind of my ultimate goal next and really being able just to scale in my career. So potentially going into like a senior uh, UX writer role as well is something that I'm, I'm really looking forward to and looking for. Yeah, and I hope that for you as well. I know that certain companies, I did notice that in applying, a lot of companies are really relying more on contractors these days, but I'm steadily seeing some companies making a bit of a shift in that they might start with a contractor, but they really do want to 
push them to be full-time, integrate them because you lose so much knowledge when a contract is up and it can't be renewed. So I know there's some types of rules out there. Like you can only have a contractor for 30 months. And I feel like that would be such a waste to bring someone in and then have to cut them after that 30 months and just train somebody new again. Yeah, exactly. For most of the contracts I've been, I mean, at least at CVS, that was supposed to be the case, but it's just the economy is awful right now. And that's kind of the scary part is like the unknown with that. But I've learned a lot within my contracts and I'm definitely really appreciative because it's also really helped me build out my portfolio and being able to have those different projects with different companies and different teams and different aspects of UX um, has really helped me be kind of more well-rounded in in the field. Well, we're all rooting for you. I can completely relate, like needing vacation days and a better benefits package. <laughs> I feel, well, we'll manifest that. Thank but you. with that being said, um, you know, is there anything we didn't get to talk about that you really would like to share with the listeners? Yeah, I guess just, I guess another thing I would really say is just nowadays too with the AI coming into the picture, especially as a UX writer or content designer is really looking into, I would recommend conversational design because I feel like as AI grows in the field, there will be more of a need for conversational designers and AI designers. And so I would definitely recommend folks who are starting out in UX writing or wanting to transition to UX writing to really look into that um, and just kind of stay on top of AI trends. I feel like that'll be really helpful because at the end of the day, I don't know, I'm personally not scared of AI, but I feel like it's just more so being able to know how to use it. And because at the end of the day, kind of like you mentioned before, like AI will always need a human to, to train it or to kind of make sure things are working correctly. And so um, that's something that I feel like will will definitely grow, um, even as, as UX writing is growing too, because it's a rather new field as well. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And let's be honest, AI is not going away, whether you're afraid of it or not. Yeah. So I, my manager, we were talking about this. He feels we should just learn tools now because they're here and there's a value in them. And yeah, I would have loved a mid-journey back when I was putting my portfolio together, searching through stock photos of an exact photo that I want, where I could just put a prompt into yeah. a machine and have it spit out what I wanted would save me so much time. So yes, I think that is amazing advice. And I've loved how you shared a lot about AI. We really haven't had someone discuss it in this way yet. Awesome. Yeah. Well, with that being said, we're coming up on time. And are you open to listeners connecting with you on social media? Yeah, of course. I would love to. And if anyone would love to have a coffee chat or anything, open to that as well. Certainly. So a lot of other people have suggested LinkedIn. Um, is that a platform that works or is there another platform? Yeah, LinkedIn is perfect. Great. Would you be able to spell your name so people are adding the correct Natalia? Yeah, it's Natalia Rivas. So N-A-T-A-L-I-A and then R-I-V-A-S. 
Amazing. Yes. Thank you so much. I know some of the previous guests have reached out saying that they've connected with each other. Other people have gotten some coffee chats. So um, it's been really exciting to see how this young podcast is growing and connecting others. And I think you have a lot of really cool things to share with people specifically if they're interested in UX writing and AI. So thank you so much for your time and sharing your story. And for everyone listening, if you have questions for Natalia or myself that could be answered on a future episode, please email me at alumnipodcast at springboards.com. Natalia, thank you so much. Thanks, you too. Thanks for having me.